Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the big difference between winning and losing! Welcome in to 11 Personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett here to talk about everything that happened over a busy first weekend of May where we had a Kentucky Derby and six Kentucky Wildcats were drafted. I believe eight total or nine total got NFL home signing as free agents. All in all, Luckett, pretty good weekend when you have historic numbers. And I think as we go through some of these picks, some of the guys uh, even surprised us jumping up a, a little bit higher than expected. Yeah, a good weekend, I think, overall for Kentucky football, but there were some surprises for sure. I think Bohanna, Eccles, uh, those were what we thought would come in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. Uh, Landon Young, right right in that area. But, you know, the obviously the big surprise was at the end there, Hoskins getting in the seventh and Drake mm-hmm. Jackson slipping, which I think – there's some reasons why that happened. I think we can we can get into those. I wrote about it on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, definitely a surprise that he went undrafted. But at the top of the draft, I think Jamin Davis and Kelvin Joseph are going to two really good spots. I, I don't think they can ask for anything better. Especially Jamin, where he's going to the Washington football team, the, the footballers. He uh, – that defense is loaded. Yeah, it's, they're stacked. And the, they've just – for as bad as a franchise as they've been in recent memory and as much as their fans love to just kick Dan Snyder, I mean, my, my dad's best friend, he's he almost, like, hates how much he's a Washington football team fan. You know, it's like a I'm stuck with him, so I might as well just gut it out kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And – but they, they, they have drafted pretty smart in recent years, going for the surefire things on defense – and really, their only miss was Dwayne Haskins. But at the time, that was seen as a good pick, at least for the value at their spot in the draft. So he's got a defensive line in front of him that, like, I mean, who wouldn't want to start their careers with those guys ahead of him? Yeah, for that franchise, it's just been about quarterback. They just can't find the quarterback. They drafted some of swing and miss on them. Just been, that's been their issue. But you're right. They have really hit hard on defense in previous drafts, and they've hit. They've gotten good, solid hits out of this. Jonathan Allen at Alabama mm-hmm. was a superstar. He's holding it down there on the defensive line, interior defensive line. Chase Young was defensive rookie of the year last year. He looks like a potential multi-first team, all-pro type talent um, there on the edge. And, and then you have Montez Sweat, who's a really good pass rusher out of Mississippi State. And Deron Payne is their fourth defensive lineman, who was also a freak at Alabama. So they just have dudes right there on the line. And then in the back end, they just went out and spent money. They just grabbed William Jackson, a corner in free agency from the Bengals, who's probably one of the top ten corners in the NFL. So no really, they're only at all, right? <laughs> but yeah, no, he's good. <laughs> I mean, he's not on the Bengals anymore, and I can say that. Yeah. But, but, um, but the middle of the defense is where they were lacking, really. John Bostic, um, the guy people may remember as who almost took off Teddy Bridgewater's head 
in the, well, in took, the Sugar Bowl. He took off his helmet. He did at least do that. And then he about killed Andy Dalton this past year mm-hmm. in a football team Cowboys game. He's he's their guy, Mike, but he's 30 years old. He's entering the last year of his contract. If Davis comes in and kind of owns that spot, that's a guy they could potentially cut mm-hmm. and just like go hand it over to Davis or they, they have time to kind of get him ready too at the same time. Right, I think right. they're at that inside linebacker spot. So they just have some pieces, and I think it's a really good system for him to walk into. Ron Rivera was kind of an Army brat himself. Right. So he kind of fell in love with Jamin's story about being a, in an Army family. He's moved around a lot. And so he he's going in. He's going to make a lot of money. And that was, the, that was like the number one spot we thought he could land was, all right, it's not till 19, and then you can start looking at Jamin Davis where he might go. Mm-hmm. And then they pulled the trigger with him right there at 19. And like I said, I think he's a guy that can come in and get 100 tackles pretty easily next year if he's able to start from the jump just because he's going to get so much free run and he's going to be able to drop back into zone. And they're going to play – they play a similar, I think, style to what Kentucky um, um did where it's a lot of cover three last year. Now that may change with Jackson. They might want to do more man. But I think he, for Jamin, he's going to be able to free run. He's going to be able to drop in zone coverage which is what he kind of excelled at last year and I think it's a great fit for him yeah and especially considering that your your biggest knock in Jamin is that he was a full-time starter for a year and really didn't come along until the last month of his redshirt sophomore year so he's football young hadn't played a lot of reps so in this case they can kind of ease him into him as you said similar scheme fit uh so it, it works out nicely uh and and also he looks like a badass in that that crimson and yeah. yellow. I mean, I mean, he, I think he's a, a good looking, good looking number fifty two, great inside linebacker number. And I think if you're looking at odds for defensive rookie of the year, I think he's worth a shot just because he's gonna I think get stats on that defense if he's able to start from the beginning because he's gonna he's not gonna have much traffic to run through with that defensive line. They're gonna <laughs> cause a lot of havoc right. for him. And so I think I mean. It's a really good fit for him. If he can get in, um, get acclimated quickly, I think he's going to be a guy that's kind of a major piece in that defense for the next few years with all that talent they have right now. Yeah, I and man, I, I, I'm very happy for him too. I mean, going to be making what about 14 million a year, give mm-hmm. or take, and well, all uh, guaranteed, right? Yeah, he's got that um, five million dollar signing bonus, I think, and then an average. It's like around four million per season, um, which will be a five year contract as long as the I can't want to call them Redskins as long as the football team picks up that fifth year option. But yeah, he's he's gonna be making some good money for sure, no doubt about that. Which is what you expect for a top twenty selection. Top twenty pick. He went higher than Bud. When Bud twenty second to the Steelers. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. great. I mean, his rise was just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, it was. When he went in, he was a fringe top 100 guy. Like, they thought he'd be top 100 if he tested well. All right, that's probably a third-round pick. And he just, I guess, I don't. I mean, that was crazy that he blew up like he did. And it's looking back, it's really silly that all of us uh, fat cats in the media didn't have him first-team All-SEC. Hey, I would have had him first-team All-SEC. They don't so, give us bog boys votes, though. Yeah, so it was Nick Bolton, and who was the other linebacker? Dylan Moses, maybe, from Alabama? Probably. And he didn't – I don't think he got drafted, which is crazy. Yeah, that's, and he was, he was the that's one – That's crazier that got, than Drake Jackson to me. 
That Dylan, is just nuts to me. Dylan Moses was the one that blew out his knee the year before, right? Right. And well, he, he came back to school, American. and they thought he would go draft last year. And then he came back this year, and by all accounts, he just it wasn't he wasn't very good this year. Still not getting drafted. Play. That's a pretty yeah, that's radical wild. fall. Pretty radical fall. But Davis, nineteenth first round, uh, Stoops is second first round. Or no, excuse me, wait, third. Third, who am I missing out of Bud? Bud, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, yeah. Damon Davis. Am I jo- there we go. The draft you were at, my man. <laughs> my goodness, yeah, my brain. Yeah, still coming back. Uh, I've got a Derby haze over my brain, so Adam Luckett is going to be explaining a lot of the the ins and outs that I missed. I did watch almost like I I, I made it to Jamin's pick Thursday night before I cashed out and was just tired from a day at the track, getting ready for another day at the track, and. My biggest takeaway from the draft was that chair is the dumbest thing in yeah, the history. Was I mean, how the ego that Roger Goodell has to think, man, fans are really going to want to sit in my chair and enjoy the draft. I will say, up uh, there. um, it's a, a create create creative idea just didn't stick. Yes, but I, I will get like the NFL is very rigid and not very forward-thinking. So, at least they were, like, able to kind of make fun of themselves in a, in a, a little way. I think I'll give them a little credit for it. But. Okay, okay. You can give them a little credit. But the thing that pissed me off the most this week was all the media cats complaining about the damn weather in Cleveland. I don't know oh, if you saw really? that. I did not. Yeah. I miss all of the media yeah. folks. Was it cold? Was it chilly? Too chilly? Yeah, it was warm? raining and chilly, and they are outside the whole time. And they were wrapped up in blankets, had to have their warmers. I'm like, man – <laughs> but but the fans looked rowdy as hell on yeah. the opening night. Yeah. So I was I was happy to see that. Uh it's similar to Derby where it's just like, man, it's good to see people back at places doing things. I know there's probably people out there who, uh, oh, where's the mask? Blah, blah. I mean, if you're willing to go out in public and take the risk, then yeah, you're willing to live with it, you know. Like it, that's if you don't want to be out there, you don't have to be out there. So I was happy mm-hmm. to see the fine. Well, I mean, it was, what you think was going to happen in Cleveland? Like I could have told you that was going to be the forecast. Yeah. So oh, yeah, they oh. weren't they weren't too happy about that, but they get to go to Vegas next year. Yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be eating those buffets up. No, it's, I, I hear though Vegas isn't as big on the cheap buffets anymore. Or that's not as much of a deal. Yeah, I mean Vegas is expensive. Um, no matter what you do there, it's going to cost you a little bit. And working everything up, but back in my it. day, in the old days when it cost, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a big event city now. I don't think probably 10, 15 years ago, it just wasn't like that it because it was casino. the ga- it was uh yeah. seen as taboo still, but now I think it's gotten so uh more commercial. I think that that's the reason for that. Now, back to the first round because I wanted before we get to more UK picks, I wanted to talk first round takes because like it. I just love how stupid your franchise is. They really just can't get out of their own way. Like, let's let's have our quarterback get sliced and diced every which way. But you know what? We could use a receiver. Why not? Hey, the only thing I will say to – like, I wanted them to draft Sewell. And I didn't love their second-round selection at guard. But they do have – they just signed a tackle on free agency, and they get a guy back from injury, Jonah Williams, who is good. If he can stay healthy. But I do think like there's more value on these receivers now. And I think that's why you saw so many go high. 
Like those are the game. Like those are the new defensive ends or edge rushers. I think in the game of football, modern football. Um, if you can, you know, because of how how offensive have gotten with creating formations, you're going to get isolation situations. If you win one on ones, it, it's easy pitch and catch for for yards. So if they saw a guy that they really love like that and who has a connection with Burrow, I'm not I'm not against it. I didn't love how they went around the rest of the draft, but I I think that's understandable. Um, for wanting Chase for that reason, is, I, I love this. I love the ration. Like you, like it, you're as analytical as you can possibly be, and yet even in your at your hardest of hearts, you're going to find a way to analytically say, you know what, taking a receiver with one of the top ten picks, even though you were just waiting for Joe Burrow to blow his knee out all year, and then when it finally happened, it was like, oh well, I guess it finally happened. Like they they got to take care of him. I hear you, Nick. I, I, got, I, I hear you. Higgins was it but last year or two years ago? They in the second receivers. round, yeah. I hear yeah. you. But they just did sign a really good right tackle, and they they're getting a left tackle back. And then, I mean, you want to? You're not gonna if you feel good about those tackles, which is, I mean, we can have that argument whether you should or not, whether you one can slide inside and play guard, but you're not going to spend a top ten pick on a guard. So you have to, you kind of have to pick and choose. Now, we'll we'll see, but. But that's just why they did. Now it could be wrong. Like I did. I don't think. I think they're bad drafters. I'm not going to argue <laughs> against that. All I'm saying is, is that I think the receiver position is just different than it was five, six, seven years ago. I think it's that much more important. I think it has a huge impact on the game if you can win in isolation situations. And so that's what they're banking on. What Chase now? Chase only did it one year, but he was ridiculous when it came to releasing off the line of scrimmage. Um, he created easy separation. He made. 8,000 vertical plays for Burrow. And so they're hoping that that goes again. But, right, I mean, you're right. I would not have passed on Sewell. I would not. I would think Penny Sewell is a 10-year starter, multiple all-pro guy. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, like projecting him out as long as he stays healthy. I think he's going to be great. But I'm not making the draft pick. I, but I think there's reasons. I don't think it was 100% slam dunk. Oh, man. I love that I got you worked up. Because here's the thing, too. <laughs> if I'm a Bengals fan, I talk myself. Like, I just put on highlights from that 2019 LSU team and just say, we're back. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, yeah, I mean, it's, it's happening. It's not. It's pretty easy to fall fall in love with that. And then you, I mean, it. it the Bengals receivers – with the good running back and Burrow, I mean, they've got some pieces now. If they can just protect us on the SOB. But yeah. but you could see why they did that because it just – right now it creates where they could have potentially in a year or two once they work together, you can have a top five skill talent core there for a good while if it works out. And then yeah. you can fix the line. After, yeah, then you can fix the line. But you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. But, well, I mean, I we'll see. Too that I, I'm saying all of this while the Steelers drafted a running back in the first round, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I just, I um, kettle. uh, th- yeah, yeah, the Steelers need offensive linemen, like, it's their job, and mm-hmm. there they are. Like, you know what? Well, offensive linemen who open up holes for running backs that won't fix it. Just another running back, the sixth we have on the roster right now. It was like when the Bears drafted their 12th tight end with their first round pick a few years back, like, quitty or not quitty last year, was, yeah. They got to commit, yeah. Commit. There we go. I'm getting my my weird K names mixed up, but um, God. Or the Raiders drafting a, a guy to play right tackle that's really a guard, <laughs> and they spent a, a 20th pick or an 18, 19th pick on him when he was gonna be there at the beginning of the second round. They essentially could have traded back and got him in the first round. 
You yeah, you said the Raiders were gonna do something Raiders. You shot your shot. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Every year they went on Raider. Except this time they didn't do it on some receiver that was gonna run like a four three. That's normally mm-hmm. their their mo. But they switched it up. Um, it's kind of weird though that all of a sudden the, the Dallas Cowboys are big Kentucky fans. Jerry Jones dipped in that well. Yeah. In the Cowboys round. had an interesting draft. They drafted a lot of defensive backs, <laughs> oh, like three. Like, just, they, I mean, just essentially all, like defense. Like, I like the move trading back to get Parsons there in the first round. I think he can be really good. And they, they kind of got, they kind of got some bad luck with those corners, Sertan and Horn coming off earlier than right, expected. Right, right, because I think they were going to get one of those if they felt if if they were right. available. So that that ended up being really good news for Kelvin Joseph though, because then they were they spent the top fifty pick on him because they didn't want him to fall. Mm-hmm. But you look at these next, really these next three picks, all these guys they picked, um, the double O out of UCLA, I won't try to pronounce his name, um, Chauncey Golston, defensive end, Iowa. And then really the surprise one was this Nashawn Wright, cornerback out of Oregon State. This is guys is essentially Chris Westry. He's six foot four, he's got all this length, um, but the production just really isn't there. He's Chris Westry with not as much playing time. He went Juco in one year of Oregon State. Like Dane Brugler had a borderline seventh round undrafted grade on him. And no one, most everybody I'd looked up had an undrafted grade on him. And they spent a third round pick on this guy, top 100 pick on a guy that they could have essentially gotten the seventh round. So that, that was interesting. But yeah, then they, they go and grab Quentin Bohanna in the sixth, but also in the sixth, they grab another tall corner in yeah, Israel Muka out of South Carolina. Uh, I like to say, I mean, but what they're doing, right. Mukamara. Dan Quinn is their new defensive coordinator. He's a Falcons head coach. Before then, he was the D.C. for the Seahawks when they had the Legion of Boom. When they were running 4-3 and they ran this, uh, cover three with a lot of length at corner. And that's what they're going to do there. And that's something Kelvin Joseph had some experience with at Kentucky. Um, and then when you look deeper into the Cowboys' depth chart, they have they really have just no corners right now. Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama played as a rookie last year, had some moments. He's going to start, but after that, they don't know who their starter is going to be. They lost a starter to free agency. So, like, Kelvin Joseph can walk in and be a, a starter. Like, it's probably the expectation for him is to start for them on week one. Wow. <laughs> no, no pressure at all. So, no pressure whatsoever. What I, do, what I did find most, not intriguing, but, like, kind of a, uh, when, you, when you mentioned all that, it's a good fit for Joseph, but, are they? What do they want Bohanna to do if they're going to go to a four yeah, three? You know, yeah, like, that's why I wrote about it on Sunday, and I was like, "This is weird." Like, I could see him being an option in short yardage uh, to kind of you know, want, when you get in the red zone and stuff like that. But to ask him to potentially play a one technique, where he's not going to—I mean, he you maybe ask him to shoot gas and be a two gapper in that way. But yeah, it's a definitely a unique fit. And they're moving from a 3-4, I believe, to a 4-3. So they got noses on the roster already. Yeah, it's a unique, it's a unique pick. That's a nice there. way to put it. Yeah. It just it seems like kind of square peg round hole. Yeah. And Very I worry about that for, for Bohanna. Bohanna. I worry about like making the roster for that reason. Right. Because he's, he's just not he's in the right nose. scheme. Yeah. Right. And that's and that goes back to would you rather get picked or pick the right spot kind of deal. Right. Um so Hopefully it works out for him though. He did shed quite a bit of weight uh, to prepare for the draft, so maybe by by trimming down a little bit, he can uh, mm-hmm. he 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 can make that transition better. But I 
it seems like they're just gonna be asking him to do stuff he hasn't done before right which not ideal when you're trying to become a professional football yeah and that guy they got from ucla he played nose at ucla but they think he's going to transition to uh three techniques he's got some athletic traits there he could potentially be a pass rusher uh, but you're right that's a, that's definitely a weird fit i think for bohanna but who didn't have a weird fit is uh brandon eccles the jets currently do not have a starter at nickel boom J-E-T-S, yes, Jets, yes. They brought in a safety-slash-corner kind of hybrid player, Michael Carter, the second out of Duke. They drafted him in the fifth round. Then they drafted Eccles in the sixth round. Also in the sixth round, they grabbed this Hamza Nazaruddin out of Florida State. He's kind of this hybrid linebacker-slash-safety. So those three guys are kind of going to be fighting for spots there. But if whoever plays best in camp could kind of take that over now. Eccles and this other guy, Carter, can bring some coverage ability where this this guy out of Florida State is maybe more of a, you know, a dime-type linebacker guy they put out there when you're getting the four-two-five, if you want some more speed and coverage ability at the linebacker spot. But, yeah, Eccles, I think he's going to have to come in and show he can play that spot. But I think they're they the testing numbers were obviously huge for him. He's got tackling production on tape. He's shown some toughness. So they they're going to try to transition him there, but I think he's got a he's got a great shot to go in there and maybe be an opening day starter, even being well, a six round selection. I mean, think about how crazy that is, like it where you could have two day one starters in the secondary from this draft. Mm-hmm. You had Lonnie Johnson did the same thing, but he was second rounder, a little bit different, also a little bit different scheme too as a cover two corner, but um, man. Wouldn't that be something? And then yeah, Mike I mean, Edwards, Super Bowl champ, yeah, picking off Drew Brees, you know? Like, that's a, uh, you know, you kind of joke about UK's, the the spring showcase thing that they put out. But as recruiting fodder, uh, that's got to be great when you're picking DBs, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the talking points out of this draft were linebacker U and then just the offensive line keep producing talent. But really, quietly, the, the secondary has rebuilt itself twice now and produced draft picks in a matter of three, four years. When you look at Joseph, Eccles, and you look at Lonnie Johnson, Chris Westry's still on a roster, Mike Edwards, obviously. And then you look at this next class, Yusuf Corker's going to get drafted. If Asian has a good season, he's going to get drafted. So they just they've done a really good job, I think, at that position, addressing it and getting players ready and putting players in the NFL. And I think that's probably gonna be the next big push. You mentioned the spring showcase. That's gonna be, I think, the next push we see from the team, maybe and on social media and whatnot, is how well they've done in the secondary and getting guys into the NFL. Yeah, yeah. And then that is Stoops's repertoire anyway. So, you know, it checks it checks out. It makes sense. What I didn't foresee happening. Uh, didn't really make sense, but I was happy to see it was Phil Hoskins going yeah. to South Carolina, or excuse me, to Carolina. Uh, Panthers taking him off the board, and I believe that was the seventh round, correct? Mm-hmm. Seventh, two thirty-two overall. Like Phil, he's gonna. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be hard to make that roster, that fifty-three man. Um, his best bet for him is that they. This is a developmental pick for them. They'll put him on a practice squad and see what they could do with him with a year to work with him. Mm-hmm. But with him, it's just the traits. I mean, 6'5", 300-something pound, three technique. He's got ridiculous long arms, an unbelievable wingspan. Like Maybe that could turn into a, a pass rushing, interior pass rush specialist. 
He's he's shown some stuff on tape. Um, so I think that's that's that they're just making a roll of dice there with him. And I think for Kentucky, that's two guys come out of junior college that they got drafted in this class a couple years after they got Lonnie Johnson in the draft. Now, junior college may become a less of a thing for the program because of the mm-hmm. portal, but I right. think that's also something they could sell to portal guys. It's like, look, we got these guys yeah. in here for a couple years. Um, they went somewhere else first. We came in here. We were able to develop them. They got in the drift. Like that, I think that can be a selling point when they're attacking this portal, which sounds like it's going to be a thing they use for maybe four, five, six players a year from here moving forward. Yeah, and I, um, I, I also think that it it gets good to have a little bit of diversity in your in your sales selling. pitches yeah yeah because like you you have something for everybody you know it's like selling a house right it's like i've sold houses in this neighborhood i've also sold houses in this neighborhood right right you got your, diversity your, your yeah juco guys you've got your guys like jamin davis who were slow cookers from south georgia where you've recruited very well and oh yeah you've got a kid from lexington too you know and mm-hmm. for the most part, I mean, Landon was the only highly ranked kid out there. So it's uh, n- none of these guys are really cut from the same cloth, you know? It's also important, I think, guys like Landon, these big star recruits, top 100 guys, those are guys you have to get drafted uh, because that can really work against you in recruiting. If you're getting some top 100, top 150 guys and you're not getting them, whenever you're getting these recruiting battles, that's easy ammo for competition to throw at. Don't go there. That's a three-star program. They can only do with three stars. Right. We get big guys. We get guys that highly talented drafted. They don't know. They just don't know how to coach you over there. I think it's important to hit on those guys um, because that's something you can show recruits. And and I think it's more – it's just more um, tools in your bag, I think, when you're going out and trying to attract talent. What's your favorite tool in your bag, Luckett? I'm (sighs) – uh, screwdrivers for you have to have a screwdriver yeah Can't do much without a screwdriver allen wrench is probably my least favorite tool those little bastards can never they're so hard to get in there and it's always in a really awkward spot and then it hits something i just uh really don't like the allen wrench a good hammer though with a good grip you just feel feel like a uh, man yeah, yeah yeah real real manly man whenever mm-hmm. you you whip out that hammer for some reason uh, until you you know inevitably swing too hard and you know oh there's a spot in the drywall now <laughs> been there done that uh i'm speaking of landon as much as we mentioned we did not mention that he's going to the new orleans saints uh when i think of bourbon street landon young is not the first that comes to mind <laughs> yeah. um but nevertheless uh there was another kentucky wildcat that did pretty well down with the saints for a long time so and and I guess Larry Warford's a free agent now. He he opted out for COVID, so I guess he's just on the market, or he might just be done. Let's um, find that out. I, I no, I think he's still under contract. Because I would think that he's, uh, I would think that he would still be coveted. I mean, he's still on the older side, but he played well recently. You know. Yeah, he, yeah, he's he's got a body of work for sure. Let's see here. Pro Bowler for a little while. Yeah, he was his last his last season was last year. So yeah, he is a free agent. I didn't. I guess no one signed him. Uh, they'll get after it soon enough. Yeah, he might be like one of those late summer signees. Yeah, Maybe the Saints re- the Saints released him. It looked like 
or Landon could be replacing Larry. Think of that. Yeah. OG. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The Saints, when you look at them, their their offensive line is pretty set. They spent some high caliber draft capital the last few years. First round picks are starting. I think they have three former first round picks within the last five years starting for them on the line at right tackle. Ryan Ramchick might be the best right tackle in football. So really for Landon. In these late rounds specifically, you're not drafting for starters. You're drafting for depth, for reserves on your roster. Um, and for Landon, it's all, all going to be about – for him, I think the draw is, all right, this can be a guy that can play four positions on the line for us in a, in a pinch. It could be our swing tackle or he could slide inside to play either right or left guard. If he can go, get into camp and prove he can do that, um, I think that that's how he gets a roster spot, spot and that's how he hangs in the NFL for a while. Now he might. I think there maybe it might be the practice squad for him at first. But yeah, but but, but yeah. down the road he can earn a spot, and then he can be that seventh, eighth guy you have on the line that, you, that that's on the fifty-three man roster, and then just kind of work his way up from there. Well, and you know we saw it with the Chiefs going in the Super Bowl. Injuries compile up. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in, in the line. Instant. Right, right. Uh, but the one that we didn't see get a shot that I, you know, I think potentially can is Drake Jackson, which Mm -hmm. as we, as you said, initially, probably the biggest surprise of the draft. And I I like that Pete Thamel, he just, I like the way he went about it. Cause you get all these draft grades where just people are like, A, B, C, you know, and it's just all subjective. And it's because you're basically weighting the way the NFL coaches evaluated the way you evaluate it's just a comparison of what do we think this prospect's work worth well what thamel did is he asked college coaches just like hey you saw these guys who were you surprised to see fall down the boards and drake was by far the most mentioned of any undrafted prospect and when they had paragraphs they were usually it was a bunch of quick one sentence things so it was coming from a few different coaches it was just like we had to scheme around him a little bit because of the way he played and he was so consistent and yet he still didn't get drafted. And as you mentioned, like it, there's just a, the, the, the size thing, the height thing, it's been a knock on him for the longest time. And I think ultimately that's what knocked him down the pecking order. Uh, and he couldn't test. Centers. I think that hurt him not being able to test at pro day. He didn't test at all. Uh, I mean, his groin, he didn't do any running oh. drills. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, because if he puts up a good 10 yard shuttle time or um, three cone or one of those agility drills, then I think people could talk themselves into mm-hmm. that. I think, I think that hurt him. I think a probably lack of face to face meetings probably hurt Drake. I think if he gets face to face with some of these teams, it's uh, it's different um, because of just kind of the football mind he has, but mm-hmm. you know, 31 inch arms are very short, Drawing eight and a quarter that, uh, hands are tiny. And he just had the smallest numbers of the centers. And then, like I mentioned, when you get into the late rounds, like anything after the fifth or early fifth, it's all about depth. You're not looking for any starters. And for Drake, for a team, he just doesn't bring value as a reserve because he's center only. And that, that I think that hurt that hurt him in, mm-hmm. in his draft stock as we start getting – he probably got removed from a lot of teams' boards because, they, like, we need guys who can – we need tackles who can slide into guard. We need guards that can play center if need be and play right guard and left guard. And Drake's was just seen as a center only. I think that hurt him. And then the last thing, I think this center class was really deep. Which is kind of rare. 
<laughs> yeah, know? yeah, it was just a tough year, I think. Like Landon Dickerson played all five positions in college. If he didn't blow up his knee, he's a first-round pick as a center. O- Oklahoma's Creed Humphrey, I thought, was a first-round talent as a center. That Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater that everybody mm. fell in love with was a oh, high-quality yeah. player. Josh uh, Myers out of Ohio State, who they who the Packers took over Humphrey, which I was stunned by. Um, it's a really good player. Kendra Green out of Illinois, who the Steelers took, was a guy from athletic standpoint was super athletic, and in that the like the zone scheme, the wide zone scheme, he was a guy people fell in love with just because of his athleticism for the position. So I think Drake just kind of got a little buried there at center, and then like I said, you get past the fourth, fifth round, you're drafting for depth. There's really not much value there for a center-only type player um, because you're not – if you, you're you going to have him maybe on your roster, but it's going to be practice squad. There's no real avenue for him to make the team unless the starting center gets hurt. And then him signing with the Lions, I de- that doesn't seem like a great fit because they're not real um, – I'd have to dig into kind of what they're going to run this year. But they just drafted Logan Stenberg, who's a gap player. Mm-hmm. And the rest of our line is gap players now. I don't know what the new scheme is, but that seems like not the best situation for Drake. Not really what his skill set is tailor-made for. If Dan Campbell's biting kneecaps, though, we got a kneecap biter in <laughs> Drake Jackson there. Yeah, if he's biting kneecaps, they're running power O. <laughs> they're gap scheming it up. No doubt about that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, too. Like, you go back to the pro day thing. Timing is everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, C.J. Conrad always had the heart issue, and then right. he ended up getting it cleared, but it was the timing of it was very bad. And then John Toth had some a situation. Something came up, I think, when he tested too. So really, like, Toth and Drake and even Conrad, those were guys we all thought were locks during the season to make the draft or get drafted, and then they go undrafted. You just never know in this. Mm-hmm. It can be it can be crazy, and then Phil Hoskins got drafted. Yeah, yeah. It only takes we thought one he was coming back for you. yeah. We thought he was coming back for a seventh year there for a good minute. <laughs> um, That's right. It only it only takes one. And hell, Toast found a way to hang around for a couple of years too. So uh, I, I fully expect to see something similar happen with Drake, where he's able to find a way to hang around. I love. There's a uh, as an aside. Now that we we have hit on a lot of NFL draft things. Third most watched NFL draft ever uh, with how many millions of people watching it? Um, I think more people, more people watch Goodell make picks than watch the NBA finals last year, I believe. Yeah. Average audience, 6.1 million viewers over three days. Yeah. Um, I was locked in the first two days. And then I think I saw the first 10 or 15 picks of the fourth round before I tapped out. Yeah. And, now they do have the advantage of being on three networks at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah that helps. So, and, and especially with one being ABC broadcast. Uh, mm-hmm. But the other graphic that I really love that is fascinating is the most watched non-football sportscast since 2019. And man, there are no NBA games on here. Yeah, it's Bayonne now the Gonzaga. NBA is a lot. Yeah, that was that pulled a big number. Seventeen million people basically. Uh, Gonzaga UCLA that classic fifteen million. This year's Kentucky Derby, 
14 and a half million. Now those are on major networks, which helps, but obviously like we talked about the draft, they have three networks. Right. Um, uh, and then you, I mean, but masters final round is right up there ahead of, you know, a couple world series games. You got some baseball games sprinkled in there. Uh, no NBA though is pretty wild. You just, yeah. especially the way that NBA dominates so much of the conversation. And it's really just because it's in the big city. Is, is that what do you think it is? It's the LA I, New York city. I think thing? that, yeah, that, 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 yeah. I think a lot of these talk shows are built around NBA. I think it's just the personality of the players. I think that's such a star individual driven sport. Yeah. Whereas baseball and football is more team driven outside of out, outside of really quarterback for the NFL. That's and there's true. so many there's so many more players on a baseball and football team than there is on a basketball team. And really only in the NBA, like 18 players matter. And then everybody else is a role player. Yeah. And so whenever they tweet or something, it can become. Yeah. It can become fodder for Stephen A. And, and it's a huge it's the biggest sport on social media, I would say. Yeah, and Basketball. the highlights are pretty easy. To, yeah, they're easy to, to pass around. But like, where's it? A thing like the Derby, I, I did. So there was one one year I did not go to the Derby. I got talked out of it to go to a bachelor party. Really hated. Like it felt so weird not being there. But the one consolation I got was seeing how other people looked at it, and it is a big deal elsewhere. Where it's like, okay, well, this is the one time a year we're gonna watch a horse race, and I'm gonna put. 10 15 bucks on it and see what happens so i guess it's kind of like march madness where for a lot of college basketball fans that's or the masters and golf yeah 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 like that's the one thing they watch of that sport a year so i guess that that is like that's why those events matter so much that's why they draw so well because that's your kind of okay this is the time of the year where we're going to watch this sport unfold mm -hmm. and for me it's the time of the year where I talk to a bunch of strangers, ask them who their horse is, catch up with some people I ain't seen in a long time. There was one guy, like it, who I talked to, who remembered that we played AU basketball together, and now he has, like, his own company out in Colorado and is making out, like, gangbusters. It's like, you know what? I kind of remember you, but not really, to be <laughs> honest. So That's the I, worst, when you see somebody that knows you and you, well, you can't you – can't, it's just not clicking in your head. Well, especially because like a couple of guys on those teams, I'm still friends with today. And so naturally I'm going to remember playing with them more than this guy who I think we like just because he, he was like the first person we're like, man, he's got a hot mom, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> well, a little bit, but nevertheless, it's running into folks in the infield, banging back some cocktails. I did do something different this year. Like it uh, wasn't a big bourbon year for me. L laid off the, the hard stuff for the most part. Because a, you know, it was real nice out, and you know, it's beer drinking weather. You know, yeah, Blood lights are flowing. Uh, my brother, I, I gave him an Oaks ticket, so I held it over his head and made him buy me some beers. So that's a good way to get weasel beers out of people. Um, but yeah, I, and uh, I also, you ever had those bag uh, flasks before? Yeah. Well, I I sat on one, and when I popped down, it popped. <laughs> So it was, it, oh, it was a lot of you fun. Fit, no, you no, fit right in there. In the oh yeah. No, no big winners, but like it, I, I definitely have reached. And uh, any regrets on your TV hit? I, you know what? It went better than expected because he yeah. even ran through what he was going to say to me beforehand. And like, he was like, all right, I'm going to ask you all this, 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 and then, you know, get everybody to get crazy or whatever. So when, like, my okay. man, 
when my man Alan put that on the KRC page. <laughs> oh, I had no. It was just what it, I was coming out of my mouth. It was I was expecting excited. a lot worse than what it actually ended up being. I was in the zone, man. So props to you for keeping it, keeping yeah. it together. Yeah, and I, I I did seek it out though. Like he was looking for people to talk to. Like he was kind of in our ears. Like, hey man, why don't you come on over here? You know, and kind of started doing my, you know. Oh yeah, I know you and that kind of bullcrap. But uh, it was a great time. I, I I did not have the Derby winner. Um, I was calling Bob Baffert's horse a bum all week. Oh, that's what I that's why I get like it. That's what I get. I just I like. I got a question. How similar is horse racing training to college football? Because it seems pretty similar. Like you got you probably got some really cool stories. Mm-hmm. Um, with trainers, but no one pays attention to them because there's like five or six that all people want to know about. Right. And they just run everything and they're the guys that win everything. It seems like they have a lot in similar, a lot of similarities in that. And Bob Baffert is pretty much Alabama right now. Yeah. And what's, what's weird though, is that like, I mean, he he's the Medina spirits, the Mac Jones too. Of yeah. That quarterback room that had Tua and uh, Jalen hurts in there. You know, well, it's where- kind of the, the perfect microcosm of what the Derby really is. You get all those horses together. And if, if there's not really a super horse, you know, anybody can win. Like there's probably eight or nine guys, eight or nine horses that can win the race. It's just a matter of who gets kind of lucky at the right time. Right. Things go right. their way. You, it's You can't script a 20 horse race. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Where you are going to get caught? Where you're not going to get caught? What the pace is going to be? All, all that stuff. And so, that, well, that, I think it just that's you know he's in, he's got the little the derby magic for whatever reason right goodness. now. And the thing that killed me too, because you know I was all over essential quality all week, and he, uh, I saw that so he lost by a length and a half, and he ran eight more lengths in the race than Medina Spirit just because of he was further outside, and it's just yep. like oh, and they finished too in like a perfect one two three four stagger, so I I missed out on winning big. Because uh, I did not put my big across the board bet on Mandaloon. That would have been, you know, 500 bucks or so. Um, but I did. I, I know I've reached degenerate status when I, I'm scrolling through. I've got a bunch of losers, but then there's bets I forgot that I made. Because, you know, <laughs> you have a few cocktails. And, oh, I placed a, sp- uh, I placed a $4 bet future in January on all of Baffert's horses. Okay, I'll take that. Uh I bet five across a mandaloon. Okay. There's 90, you know, like, uh, and then I got lucky picking names. And so, you know, you don't, you never completely lose if you're, if you're betting enough, you know, if you can't, no, no, it's all about the experience, man. It's about life's about the journey. Obviously yeah. you don't want to go out and lose your life savings, but you go right, out and have right. a good time. Win a race or two. Can't complain. Yeah. I was planning on losing all that money anyway. So anything I win. <laughs> yeah. Anything on wins gravy. And hey, uh dollar beers are back Thursday. Luck it, you in? Are they back already? They're already back. Oh the man. Dollar beers of the bats are back too. So mm-hmm. it's uh we yeah, are we gonna have, start getting we have a commitment this. coming up on Friday. Or now oh, uh, that's true. Afari. That's true. Alex Afari announces Friday. But it is going to slow down in the month of May. Just we'll we'll, we'll get some portal additions. Uh, because may, maybe some portal movement because the semester is over with, but after the draft, it's a little, it's going to be slow. Kids aren't on campus right now. They take the month of May off and then June we'll, we'll crank it back up. Really. Kentucky announced camps 
uh, earlier this week, I saw some kids tweeting out about June camps. I don't think what, it's – Is that just I, I saw preliminary? Just, yeah, they, they were, like, basically putting out save the dates, but they only haven't even opened up okay. registration windows. But so they had two Sunday night lights ones. We're going to have to find a way to weasel our way in there. Oh, yeah, we can get into all these. They're pretty right. fun, too. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if, if they were going to – Oh, COVID or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No. We'll be all right. Like, I know I, I will wear a mask. I'll go out and get the passenger face shield if I have to. <laughs> I need to get in there. I need Morgan, to see. You would be so great. You would look so damn doofy with the <laughs> passenger face shield. <laughs> now I will wear the visor on top of it too. Oh, that would be electric. Gosh, I can't even. It would be an electric factory. Imagine Mark Stoops getting just super mad and he's steaming up. The face shield. <laughs> oh man that'd be great so you're the good question guy uh we did get uh sec media day dates too yes so, we did. uh they, they haven't announced like any restrictions or anything but i think you know that they'll let the floodgates open so yeah yeah i'm interested to see how they do that so yeah, hopefully we'll all be fun. down there for that but the the big the big weekend's over now we get reset reload um and there's more on the horizon just, you know, not in the immediate future. But we'll get through this locket. We'll get through this together. There's no – the off season. The, I think we're going to enter a slow period right now, but it's going to pick up before you know it. And, you know, we'll get some more Barrett Sally hot takes. Yes, that's the best part. Now, we're going to get the coach rankings here soon. Oh. sure those will come out. SEC Mike has already started his coach ranking. Or co- no, he's not coach rankings. He's doing grades first and then rankings, I believe. Yeah, he. Uh, you should listen to his podcast. He had a guy on there that kind of has a grading system. It's kind of interesting. Okay. Well, it's a little plug for there for SEC Mike. There you go. I think it's what that SEC podcast. So yeah, when you get ton- done with us, go check them out. Um, but we're gonna get out of here. It's been a joy. We'll have more next week, too. Just because things are slowing down doesn't mean we won't have more. We'll have plenty more to talk about. I'll have more voice. Until then, I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. Go Cats. Go Kroger.